know something I find amazing nowadays, something that, that really blows my mind. I mean, just blows my top off. <laughs> it's something I, I've, I've kind of watched and listened to and stayed in tune to, you know, to try to try to gather intel on to make sure my observation and my conclusion about what I'm about to say is somewhat correct. And I believe is with every bit of me. People are coming to conclusions of people and arriving at a place where they even deem to say them to say to themselves they know people based on what they feel or what they know to be true about a person. But what they won't do in that process before they get there is simple. <laughs> Nobody does this no more. Like nobody asks a person why. So simple, but think about it. Like, who asked you why? Think about how many times people have seen you do something and come to a conclusion about you, or in fact, misquoted or misstated or misinterpreted uh, you as a, a, from a character standpoint, had a, the wrong uh, outlook of you. Just, it's simple, people. It's like, um, when you look at these laws, you look at everything that's implemented on your job, safety procedures, policies, simple as which side of the road we drive on and what side the steering wheel should be on inside your vehicle or where your mailbox sits and why it sits there. It's not just like pulled out the air. Majority of the time it has come to the, it has come to uh, be the way it is because a lot of times, man, trial and error. Somebody messed up. Safety, somebody got hurt. Like, we know this to be true, right? Jobs, laws, somebody got over on the systems. So now they put this in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, you spill hot coffee on you once, and McDonald's won't happen again. You spill that coffee on you this time, you just got burnt, right? You can't sue them no more. But it's the same way with people. Like, people arrive at a place they are. The moment you encounter them, or meet them, or speak to them, or see them tomorrow, at nine o'clock, something led them to be there at nine o'clock tomorrow. It was a series of events in this thing called life. And a lot of times what we don't take time to do is ask them why. Like let somebody not do something we do. And we just, for the life of us, can't understand why they don't see it the way we do. But. You can't think so highly of yourself. I can't think so highly of myself. I mean, we gotta take time to ask a person why. Why do you do it that way? And then get up under them whys a little bit, right? Peel the banana, peel it back. Keep asking them why. If you're curious, if you really wanna know. But for whatever reason, I guess that's embarrassing or you don't, or disrespectful. It's like nowadays asking somebody why, it, it is disrespectful to a lot of people. But. I don't get it, like, you're better understood. Now, understand, a person doesn't owe you an explanation. It's not in fact what I'm saying. I'm just saying before you come to a conclusion about a person, before you deem them as this, before you say such and such or so and so was about this because this is just who they are, if you care, and just for your own conscience and for your own well-being, Ask a person why. <laughs> we really have no idea 
why a person does what they do. We just don't know. Like, you could assume I'm making this podcast based on whatever you think. <laughs> but how many people, uh, in fact, ask me why? Any podcast, anything I do, like anything you do, you have arrived where you at for a reason. And don't let people take that from you. You know why. And don't forget why. Like, life is trial and error. You dropped the ball here, you picked it up there. People <clears throat> might be doing things that we don't deem as correct, but it is what it is on there, right? That's our job to just try to take time and ask a person why. Like, somebody could break in a house, rob a house, rob a store, do things that we deem as sociably evil, right? But when you begin to talk to a person anytime, and they start hitting you with the backdrop to the story of where they're at and why they did what they done and how they seen life and how they perceive life to be and their, their overview and their outlook. You're like, oh, okay. You understand differently. And it's almost like a self-enhancement. Ultimately, you get a different outlook, perspective, and understanding of how people move and why they move and why they are, in fact, the way they are. So don't be so quick to come to, to your final judgment. You know, I'm not supposed to do that anyway, right? That, that's God's job. It's not our job. We're not supposed to be sitting around here <laughs> judging people or, in fact, coming to this place about people. It's not, we don't know. Nobody knows. Even when they tell you why, you don't fully understand because their why has been shaped and by, shaped by their why, right? Like there's so many whys that have transpired in one's life before they got to the place of that why that you're in fact speaking to them about. But yeah, I don't know. Why? Try sometimes. <laughs> Just ask why. Why not? When I was raised as a kid, I was born on it. <clears throat> I was raised in East Knoxville, for those who from Knoxville. I was raised in a very urban setting uh, 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 compared to other parts in the city. It was very poverty-stricken. Um, um, just briefly coming up as a kid, uh, we lived in a hotel because my mom worked the days in. Uh, we actually moved to Atlanta at that time. I was around, I don't know, first grade. But she was just searching for employment. So her, my grandmother had moved to Atlanta. So my mom moved with her mom to Atlanta and then she had a job at Days Inn. And consequently, we ended up living in a hotel for uh, probably a year, realistically, because we actually moved to diff two different locations. <clears throat> two different locations, excuse me. And then um, <clears throat> moved back to Knoxville. We moved back to an urban community. And, and my mom... We moved back to the urban community as we deem it the hood. Uh, and at one point in time, I had, I had, I got one brother and one sister. I had at that time, two brothers, he passed away, but I had two brothers and one sister. All three of us slept in the closet and my sister slept on the couch because we had a one bedroom apartment. And long story short, just trying to give you a summary of how I was brought up when I came up, got around middle school. My mom landed a pretty decent job for the first time, and we were able to begin to get on our feet. But um, uh, 
my work experience, my work life has been interesting for me because I went to the service, which was a, a great experience. But the funny thing about it was, you know, just like anything else, my time in the service for me was more like college. Uh, I had a lot of guys I, I clicked up with and became very fond of. They were like me, same setting, view life the same way. So we kind of, as they say, uh, we kind of clicked up and, um, my life didn't change too much, different city in the service, but the same group of people, same group of influence. We had a like common goals, clubbing, drinking girls, smoking, the, 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 what I deem as the norm at that time. So anyway, when I came back home from the service, uh, it was as a civilian, but back into uh, the workforce, the real workforce, my experience was interesting because I was essentially only around a certain style of people who thought a certain style of way. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we all seen seen life out of the same lens. Like we all knew when the joints were dropping. We all knew who was on BT last night. We all know how many points Jordan had dropped and what time this football came, game came on. And then I was pulled from that setting, that type of mindset, and I was actually placed. <laughs> around some guys who, who, who were um, out in the uh, the country area, so to speak. You know what I mean? The more rural area. And um, I'm telling you, for me, that was a complete culture shock because I didn't have any briefing. I didn't have any um, warning or understanding of what I was about to get myself into. So to be honest, for me, this was back in 06. It was extremely intimidating just for me. I mean... It was a job and it paid the bills, but I was now around minds who didn't know when the Jordans dropped, what Tim's were out, when Jordan played, uh, you know, things of that nature. So, and, and I began to realize even then what I want to share right now. Um, now, mind you, they, they, a lot of these people grew up impoverished as well, but it was still different thought processes they grew up thinking about when was hunting season what truck was out uh when is the best time to plant this crop you know what i mean like their their, their mindset was different so um i was introduced to that and it's levels like anything else there's levels to people in the hood right you know you got people who live around the hood you got people who lived in the projects you got people who just lived in the black community it was deemed hood but really we're far from it and, um, I mean, you could have a saint in one house and a crack house next door, and then four houses down, you could have a devout Jehovah Witness family that were black. So, you know, but it could just be in an impoverished area. So anyway, um, I've learned, I learned in that time something very interesting. You, you, people only know what they see. <laughs> To be quite frank, people only know what they see. And so at that time, what I had seen and what I had grew accustomed to, what I thought everybody seen, they didn't see it the same way, right? And so when I got thrown into the workforce from this angle, you know, the military, yeah, it was it was military, it was strict, it was militant, but I still linked up with the same type of mindset. But when it came to getting a job, you know, I had to provide, it was about income. It was no longer could I pick and choose what kind of people to hang with because if these people wouldn't on this job well i gotta make you know i gotta make some money 
And so uh, I learned even starting then, I began to, to, to realize that people only see what they see. They only know what they see. And I say that to say this is funny. We find ourselves trying to make people see what we see. And if you think about what I'm saying, that's where your arguments lie. Like, I got a partner now, I can call and drop my whole thought process on them. Like, where I'm at, my next move, why I think this move is more beneficial um, financially or from an educational standpoint or for any reason it might be just or on just some vent. And I can call him. And even with that, he only sees out of his eyelids. And I can only expect him to understand so much of what I'm saying because the truth is you know people have their days that they're going through in their life and if you think about this it alleviates so many arguments because when we're arguing with somebody I'm in fact trying to get you to see what I'm saying but you can only see what you see and Jesus said it this way I only do what I see my father do right so now I enter into uh, being a follower of Christ and, and and I realize that it's the same thing as a breakdown there. Um, I could attend a church or I could attend a, a, a rally. Uh, say your church does something for a good cause and you show up to pass out shoes to the poor or food or anything. Well, we both could be there and you could deem that it's a, a complete success. And I might or Steve might see it a whole different route, right? And what we tend to do is begin to finger point. And we want to look past what Tim see or I see. And we want to say this was right and this was wrong. And when you really think about it, people, we're all different and we're all special. We all have the opportunity and we all get the gift of seeing things different. It's the cool thing about people. And our perspectives might not always line up. But we waste so much time trying to get people to see what we see. Like when I was raised the way I was raised, I couldn't get my new job or my new career path for people to see what I what I see. You know what I mean? Or vice versa. They couldn't get me to necessarily see what they see or what they see. And so I think a lot of times we get lost in that. So as we're trying to make disciples or follow Christ and do this church thing, and we realize right now, you know, church is more like just a religious ceremony. Like we got a lot of religious traditions now. We're steeped in them. We're scared to get out of them. We're terrified to change, right? And we we deem anything that we don't understand is confusion. And we say, God, not the author of confusion. But at the same time, the Bible says, lean not to thy own understanding, right? But in all your ways. So it's a fine line there. And I think we just try to use scriptures to, to ultimately justify what we're doing. And that's fine. But it should be the it should be reciprocated and received the same way from another individual. And I think that's where the breakdown lies. Like the ultimate goal is to owe no man nothing but to love them. And that your yes be yes and your no be no so it's like when we allow that to grow and we get past what we see what and how we view life through our eye lens and we quit keep uh quit expecting everybody to see life the way we do 
it'll be a lot more beneficial, this life experience that we're now partaking in. You know, we can allow everybody to experience life, life individually and quit trying to take away their experience and give them your experience. You know what I mean? We only, only get one opportunity to experience life. And I just thought it was interesting, man. Like, you know, I'm going to see what I'm going to see. You're going to see what you're going to see. Look at the scriptures. It's three books written. Same accounts, different islands. The other book was just told to somebody. But, hey, who am I? I'm just giving you my thought process.